welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the episode. Today's episode is about how to work out smarter, not longer, and get amazing results. I'm talking about katsu, K-A-A-T-S-U, which is a form of blood flow restriction. It actually is the original strategy for blood flow restriction that was developed in the 1960s by a doctor in Japan by the name of Dr. Sato. Dr. Sato is not an English-speaking person, so instead we have the next best thing we have with us, Steve Minotonis, who brought Katsu to us and to the world after traveling back and forth for 13 years to Japan to while Dr. Sato taught him everything he needed to know to share this with the rest of the world. And boy, are we lucky that he did. We also have with us John Doolittle, who works closely with Steve. These two guys are a wealth of knowledge, and they're just a pleasure to talk to. What's also a pleasure is working out with Katsu. If you've been following me on social media, you know that I've been using this device extensively over the last month. I've been traveling with it because it is so portable. I just can't get over how versatile it is. I mean, how amazing is it that we can have a strategy at our fingertips that can be that is applicable for anyone from an elite athlete to your grandmother and everybody in between? Like, it's pretty cool. So I'm going to let the podcast do the talking. If you want to learn more about Katsu, you can go to katsu.com, K-A-A-T-S-U.com. So that's after the podcast. If you're looking for uh, scientific research, papers, videos, they've got lots of stuff on the website. If you decide you're going to take the plunge and get yourself a Katsu system, then you'll want to use discount code NAT10 and save 10% off your purchase. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, you can always reach me at natnidham.com. And if you're loving this episode and you get lots of value from it, make sure that you leave us a review because that's how we rise up the rankings. So thank you so much for being here. I totally appreciate you guys. I hope to hear your comments. I hope that you enjoy this episode. I really loved recording it and enjoy the show. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode. Have you heard of nitric oxide? If you were a listener in December, you may have caught the full episode we have on it. Nitric oxide is a vital molecule that is responsible for cardiovascular health and blood flow in the body. But as we age, we produce less of it. And as a result, the health of our systems are impacted because we're just not getting the optimal distribution of blood and nutrients that we need. I have found a great way to ensure my nitric oxide levels are topped off. And it's a system called Berkeley Life. I take Berkeley's two capsule supplement just once a day. And that gives me the building blocks that my body needs to create adequate nitric oxide. I noticed a boost in energy and stamina all day long. And I know that all of my critical systems, like my gastrointestinal system, circulatory and cardiovascular systems are benefiting from that improved blood flow. My clients and my family take it too, and have also noticed improved outcomes. It's never too early to be thinking about how you can support and sustain lifelong health and vitality. Berkeley Life makes this possible for me and can make it possible for you too. You can access Berkeley Life by going to berkeleylife.com and using practitioner code N-I-D-D-B-L to place your order. That code will also give you 10% off that first order. And now back to the episode. 
Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever, for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. Enjoy the episode. And also, if you're looking to connect with me for any reason, with your comments, questions, whatever it may be, you can reach me through my website, which is natnidham.com, or you can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group, or on MeWe in the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Group. And of course, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Natalie Nidham. Natalie is with an H between the T and the A, the second A. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Steve Munitonis. Did I pronounce that right? Pretty close. Pretty close. Munitonis and John Doolittle. Um, Perfect, Natalie. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you both so much for being here today. Our pleasure. And so we have two guests. Okay. So Stephen, why don't you um, maybe introduce yourself quickly so that people who are listening to the podcast recognize your voice. And then we'll have John say something and then people can calibrate to his voice and then we can go from there. Got it. I'm Steve Minotonis. I'm from Southern California where I was born and raised. And I spent many years uh, in Japan where I first learned of Katsu. And that is, um, I work with John every single day. Yes, we do. And uh, I'm John Doolittle. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. I grew up in Northern California. I uh, spent 25 years in the SEAL teams, and my last two surgery uh, rehabs were with Katsu. And that's when I first met Stephen. Amazing. All right. So that thank you so much for that. So let's start maybe with Stephen because... You're the guy that just, that found Katsu far, far in a land far, far away and brought it back, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I was um, I was an engineer working with Hitachi in Japan, and my old high school coach happened to be leading the uh, U.S. Olympic and national swim team. The world championships were in Japan, and he calls me up after 25 years, and he says, "Hey, you're the only former swimmer I know." who speaks, reads, and writes Japanese. Please come and help me. I'll sign you up as assistant coach. Please help me. And so I did. That is where I first learned about Katsu, and that's where I first met Dr. Sato. And so that was in 2001. Uh, First time I met Dr. Sato, I was blown away with what he showed me with Katsu. Just totally blown away. And because we were conversing in Japanese, I asked him, I said, Dr. Sato, why isn't Katz known around the world? He said, oh, there's two reasons. One, I don't speak English. And two, I don't travel outside of Japan. And I said, okay, I do both of those. So um, let's, uh, can you teach me? He said, yes. I said, do you have any materials? And he says, um, he points up to his head. <laughs> as Perfect. In, Everything is up here. I said, okay, well, I'm going to return back to uh, Tokyo and, you know, I'd be honored if you could teach me. He said, sure. I've I've been waiting to share this with the outside world. 
And uh, so I returned back to Tokyo and I did that at least four times a year for 13 years. You're kidding. For 13 years. Um, and at the end of that 13 year period, again, I had no idea when it was going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> the download. Yes. And I was learning every time I'd go to Japan, I'd spend, you know, anywhere from three days to two weeks there. And we, he taught me everything. We went to hospitals. We went to sumo wrestler um, uh, dojos, they call them. We, yeah. We've met everybody, uh, comatose people, people with MS, people with cerebral palsy, you name it. And he was teach me step by step how to apply katsu to the wide spectrum of humanity. And after 13 years, he says, um, one day, are you ready? Let's introduce it to the world. And that was 2014. Wow. That's amazing. So what is it that first caught your attention with Katsu? Because, uh, I mean, what's the yeah, first, it, like, you know, you went over as an assistant coach, a swim coach. And um, I know I've seen on your website and a number of places like swimmers with the armbands on, and, and I'm sure the legs too, because kicking so important, but how did you, how did first grab your attention? Oh, so I visited Dr. Sato at his office and there was a line of people, uh, older people that were waiting outside and he would meant, he would bring them in one by one and, and he would do cuts with them. And these people at the time were probably anywhere from 10 to 30 years older than me. Um, and they'd come in, um, some limping, some bent over, um, and they would all walk out better, better, <laughs> meaning they were standing up straighter. Uh, they were more fluid in their gait. Um, uh, they had a smile on their face, which Dr. Sato later taught me was the katsu smile. The fundamental thing you want to do with katsu is at the end of the session, you want to see someone smile. He says, if you have achieved that, you, you know, katsu. And that's what struck me. All these just regular people from all walks of life going to see this doctor in a suburb of Tokyo. Um, John has been there and John has been there with his family. You walk in and he's um, uh, he speaks quietly, uh, mm -hmm. very authoritatively, very uh, with deep compassion. He listens to you, the, the patient or the client or the coach or the physician uh, tells him whatever their uh, ailment is or condition and he listens, he asks a few questions, then he puts the bands on you, and then he takes you through the protocol. And then everybody left with that katsu smile. And that's when, and I was watching this. And so when he put them on me, I found this profound change in my own body. I ended up with a smile. And I, <laughs> that's when I said, oh, Dr. Sato, I really want to know more about this. And I, I'd like to learn. And that's when he said, well, I've been waiting for someone like you. I don't speak Japanese and I don't travel outside of Japan. And that's chapter one. That's chapter one. All right. Uh, John, when did you come into the picture? <laughs> well, let's see, it's 2022. So it was about six or seven years ago. I was going through one of my 12 orthopedic <laughs> surgeries while I was uh, in the SEAL teams. And uh, the, the PT at the time, Jim Godin said, Hey, you, you got to try you got to try this katsu stuff. Uh, you go really, really light, uh, very low, low resistance. Uh, and then he showed me a picture of this guy. This is Dr. Sato. Uh, 
getting ready to turn 74 years totally old. jumping. Yeah. And, and there's no juice going on it, there, right? <laughs> no, totally, totally natural. But here's the thing. He doesn't lift weights or what he moves and lifts is super light resistance and very, very light uh, weight, if any weight. And so when Jim showed me the picture of him, he's like, yeah, not only can you do rehab with Katsu, but you can look like that. <laughs> yeah. But you, you can get like that while you're doing rehab without moving heavy weights. And I think the, the, the reason the PTs really like this stuff is I, I felt like I was working really hard when I was mm-hmm. doing my rehab. But the reality was I was putting almost no stress or strain on my skeletal system or definitely where the injury was. Um, so I fell in love with it right out of the gate. And the PTs like it because you can create all this metabolic stress, but not have the inflammation response of pushing heavy weight. So um, I, w- I was introduced to it um, during, during rehab. It was a shoulder injury. And the first thing I asked was, um, you know, cause the, it was a rotator cuff repair yeah. And the bands, you know, I, I, it made sense to me that things dis, that distal of the bands would, you know, downrange or would, would be affected. But how would it affect something that's on the other side of, of the band? And that's when I started getting really interested in it. The, the, the fact that there's a systemic response. Yeah. So you can have the leg bands on, but you feel it in your back. If you're, if you're doing any kind of multi-joint movement upstairs and you have the leg bands on, you still feel it. And now that I've been with the company a while and I've started reading, and I say started because there's literally hundreds of uh, uh, published research papers on this stuff, but it is a systemic response and you can improve that blood flow everywhere uh, just by having these, these bands on, it's, it's really, really cool. But that's how I got introduced uh, to it was orthopedic uh, rehab. And I was getting close to retiring out of the Navy and uh, we decided to do a family trip. And uh, Stephen encouraged me mm. uh, to go visit Dr. Sato and uh, yeah, the rest is history. It was, that's amazing. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great, great visit. And uh, what, what's really crazy about that visit is while we were traveling, we were doing military space A travel, so space availability travel on um, military uh, tanker aircraft and cargo aircraft. Well, we were at one of the airports and um, Dover, Delaware, and my daughter, so she's 15 now, she, she was 10 at the time, she fell and broke her arm. Uh, broke the humerus so when we met dr sato she was literally two to three days out of that break she was in a full uh a full from your wrist all the way up to her uh armpit cast nice pink uh fiberglass cast um but i got to watch dr sato do katsu on her and i had a, a, a loaner device from uh the command that that i was assigned to and um dr sato's like hey look have her do these cycles and he showed her how to do isometric holds and uh without spending too much time on it i'll just say six weeks later when we were at hickam air force base in hawaii and she got the cast off 
the doctors thought there was a mistake uh, because the arm that the cast had been on, this is a 10 year old girl. She's skinny anyway, Mm -hmm. but the arm that the cast had been on was totally defined. She didn't have range of motion, of course, because you know, the arm had been, been bent for six weeks, but the arm was more defined and bigger than her arm that wasn't broken. That is amazing. As opposed to total atrophy, right? Which is yeah, what it, was, it was. It was incredible. Not only was there, uh, uh, there were not only was there no atrophy, but the arm was more defined than than the other. And uh, that really, for me, was and, and for my wife, we were like, "Oh my god, this is awesome." <laughs> New career. Um, yes. <laughs> well, and it is. I mean, it is remarkable that you have a tool at your disposal that's appropriate from your high performance athlete to your elderly grandmother who's trying to regain mobility to someone with a degenerative disease and then to a child. Like, you know, there's, you can't find, you almost can't find a medication or any other modality that has that range of that scope of, of ability really. So before, before we get into that, why don't we talk a little bit about what Katsu is and what Katsu is not? Because I think that when a lot of people, anybody who might've heard about Katsu automatically thinks, oh yeah, it's that blood flow restriction training. So which people think of, oh, it's, it's kind of a tourniquet type band that you would put on the upper arm or the upper leg, um, which restricts blood flow. And then you work through that. And then somehow this magic happens and things happen. But my sense is, and well, my sense and my understanding is that Katsu is quite different from that. So maybe I'm going to let you guys decide. I'm sure you have a routine here already. You've done podcasts before. <laughs> Who would like to take this one away? <laughs> I'll start and John will finish. He's a good anchorman. Amazing. Um, Yeah. So it cuts is two things. One, it's equipment, very unique equipment that actually took a long time to develop. And two, it's protocols. How do you use that equipment? And those two have to be in total sync. And the reason why when Dr. Sato was teaching me and mentoring me, it took 13 years because he he had to show me how, for example, how do you treat a a comatose patient? How do you treat someone with severe cerebral palsy. On the other hand, how do you treat a professional athlete or a young Olympian? Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, the protocols don't change. The equipment doesn't change. It's it's sort of a matter of of pressure and and a variety of other things that that we'll go into. But but Katsu is, and I have on on this side, I don't know if you can see it well, a, a a standard blood pressure cuff. And then this is the Katsu. The Katsu band is much, much more narrow Mm -hmm. than the uh, blood pressure cuff. And you put that either on your upper arms or your upper legs. So you don't do both. You do upper arms or upper legs. And this band that actually took a long time to develop, it has a bladder inside, an air bladder inside. And so the air goes in and then it is deflate. So it inflates, deflates, inflates, deflates. And when it's inflated, the circumference of the band around your arm slightly, only slightly decreases. And that puts a pressure on your arm. And just as an aside, katsu, K-A and A-T-S-U. So the atsu part of katsu means pressure in English. Japanese atsu means pressure, ka means additional pressure. And so 
Dr. Sato came up with this word, additional pressure for this product that applied additional pressure on your arm. And what that does and what it isn't, it is not the tourniquet. A tourniquet or a blood pressure cuff is specifically designed to keep blood out of the arm or the leg. It's specifically designed. It's structured differently. The materials are different. Everything about it is different because a tourniquet or blood pressure cuff keeps blood out. The katsu was specifically designed to keep blood in hmm. and only in momentarily. So a maximum of 30 seconds. And so what happens is when you put the bands on, you feel this gentle pressure on your arm. And really, I mean, gentle, it is not the blood pressure cuff. Now, when people see the bands on uh, the arms or legs, they assume it's a blood pressure cuff, but they forget how large and the difference in size and structure between the blood pressure cuff and the katsu. The band was designed to slow down what we call the venous return or the return yeah. of the blood back to the torso. And so blood is going in normally and it's slowed down for 30 seconds coming out. What that does, it, it engorges the blood in your arm or your legs. And when that happens, that's what Dr. Sato figured out was a catalyst for a number of biochemical reactions in the body. And the protocols are how long do you put it on, how, what exercises to do, et cetera. And so maybe as an illustrative example, John, when you had any one of your surgeries and, and were um, you know, doing the katsu therapy, maybe explain what those protocols are uh, that complement this unique uh, bit of equipment. Sure. I have a, I have a sure. quick question before John gets started. So the amount of pressure, so it, it's a variable pressure. Correct. Um, and does it, and does the, the, does the variability of the pressure change from protocol to protocol? Like are some protocols more high pressure than others, or is it really just the duration under pressure instead of duration under load? Let's say if we were talking about weightlifting. Yeah, there's a variety of, of changes. One, it's pressure, amount of pressure. Okay. Two, it's how long we call it time under tension. How many seconds or minutes are, do you have that pressure? And also what is the intensity of your exercise? Are right. you trying to increase your balance or your flexibility, range of motion? That's one pressure. If you're trying to increase muscle strength or muscle size, that's another pressure. Um, but fundamentally, after these many decades of, of uh, practical um, application, we found three fundamental ranges Mm. that fit 95% of humanity and all right. of their ailments. And we call those low pressure, medium pressure, high pressure. So we've tried to make it as simple as possible for the user to hit, okay, I'm at low now, or I'm at medium now, or I'm high now. And one thing that we teach are those protocols. If you have a broken arm, what do you do? If you want to increase your vertical leap, what do you do? If you had knee surgery and your gait is a little bit off, how do you, how do you return back to a smooth walking style? So those are the different protocols. It took years for Dr. Sato to download to me. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Over to you, John. Tell us about your shoulder rehab because shoulder rehab is unpleasant at the best of times and doesn't really work that well from what I understand. 
yeah. Well, um, well, first, first of all, a, a lot of the BFR that's out there is, is constant pressure. Yeah. And, um, when you're, whether it's an elastic band or a very rigid band, and there's all sorts out there, but no matter what kind you use, when it's constant pressure, it is uncomfortable. It is yeah. really uncomfortable. And I can vouch for that. Yeah, Natalie, exactly. <laughs> you, you've done it. You know what I'm talking about. When they, when they put these on me the first time, the very first thing I noticed was these, these are, are elastic Stretchy. bands. They, yeah. they, they move, they give that blood pressure cuff that Steven just had up. That thing doesn't give mm. at all. It's very rigid. It's very wide. That's the first thing I noticed. The, the next thing I noticed was it only put a little bit of pressure and then it counted down from 30 seconds. And then at the end of 30 seconds, it completely released and you almost get this, uh, this flushing sensation for about five seconds, new blood coming in and moving out and then a little more pressure. So essentially 10 millimeters mm -hmm. mercury, more pressure each time. It's kind of like a step. So one set on this, this device, and this is the actual device. So this device is, it's really small, just connects to your shorts or whatever. And then there's uh, a couple tubes that come out and connect to the band. Very simple concept. And what the algorithms in this machine, they're just 30 seconds of pressure and then a total dump for five. 30 seconds, a little more pressure and a dump for five. So what that does is that, that perceived uh, exertion, like that, like, oh my God, it's so hard. So yes, you, you get there during those 30 seconds, but then you get the release. Yeah. The blood yeah. comes in. And so you can keep going. Um, the, when, when you're doing the rehab movements, it's, it's very hard, but it, you're, you're not at failure. And that's mm -hmm. not the goal. That's really and, interesting. And, and, that's, and that's very different from what mm -hmm. a lot of people are selling out there at these constant pressure uh, uh, things. You know, bring, bring somebody to failure, make it really uncomfortable. Does that work for muscle hypertrophy? Um, yes, uh, it does, of course. I mean, you can create a lactate response and the body's going to respond in, in kind and you're going to get a hormonal release. Yes, that can be done with this. There is a constant pressure option on here, right. but that's not what Dr. Sato's life's work is about. It's not about making big muscles. But he has big it, muscles. He does, but that's a natural <laughs> byproduct. I, I mean, we, one of my favorite things he did with this guy that was the former cardiologist to the, um, uh, the emperor of Japan, Dr. Nakajima. Dr. Sato, Dr. Nakajima, and another one whose name I'm forgetting, but they went to University of Tokyo Hospital, which is kind of like the Harvard Medical School in Tokyo. And they did a 10-year-long study. And Stephen was here, was there for this 10 years, but here's the kicker 10 year long study on over 7,000 cardiac rehab patients. Wow. So these are not like young athletes. They're not kids. They're not tactical athletes. They're not elite athletes. They're not athletes at all. They're, wow. they're cardiac rehab patients. So we always like to tell people, Hey, this is what they use in Japan for cardiac rehab. 
And this is why we want to go down that road in, in the U.S. Because can you make big muscles get hypertrophy? Yes. But that is just a small, small fraction of what you can do with improving vascular health and cardiac health for a huge population in uh, this country and others. So when you're doing cardiac rehab, so let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. So I'm guessing that it has to do with the biochemical response of the body to this, to this variable pressure that has an effect on the function or the health of blood vessels and cardiac muscle as well. Is so there is a biochemical <laughs> response. Or, or and I want to let response Stephen, or, yeah. There is, there is that, but before we go into that, and I'll let Stephen hit that, and it's very, very simple to, to me. If I just had a procedure, a cardiac procedure, and the doctors want to exercise my heart, mm-hmm. not, not speed up the heart, but they want to exercise the perfusion of the heart, right? Cardiac output. If you have the leg bands on and they're going through very gradual cycles of pressure, you are very gradually working the heart. You're making it pump a little bit harder for 20, 30, you know, our our clinical model can go up to a 60 second long pressure on. uh, But when they initiate, they start much, much shorter durations but it's just a way to subtly exercise the heart. You're not speeding it up, but you're making it work harder. So your exercise is great rehab for somebody that everything from a stent to open heart surgery. Um, is there a biochemical response? I mean, yes, a- absolutely. Because every time you stretch open vascular tissue and you let it relax, you get that vas- vasodilation and relaxation your body's releasing endothelial nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that from multiple studies during that 10-year uh, test and trial. Um, and nitric oxide is key and essential for vascular health and elasticity yeah. through your whole body. So um, there's a lot of things uh, going on there. And I think you jumped right into the more complex side of it with the biochemical piece. <laughs> You know, Stephen, what are your your thoughts on that? No, I I think it's awesome that that's right where you win. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because the nitric oxide is, I mean, it's so interesting, right? Because we talk about how we make less nitric oxide as we age. We talk about how some people genetically aren't as good at making nitric oxide as other people. And so now we're talking about a device or a practice or a modality, a physical modality that actually can upregulate that production of nitric oxide without taking a supplement, without using anything else. So exactly. All right, Stephen, exactly. over to yeah. you. So one of the things, <laughs> one of the many things that Dr. Sato taught me was what a miracle our human bodies are. Mm-hmm. And Kansu is really a catalyst for allowing the human body to do what it is intended to do. Now, of course, there are all kinds of diseases and viruses and bacteria and stuff, but the body is very, very resilient. At the end of the day, it's very, very resilient. And that's why when he was those 13 years, when he was teaching me, he was taking me to see the weakest of the week. Yeah. And he was saying the, the fundament, he, he would, we would go to see a, uh, you know, a professional athlete in Japan. And then we'd go, to someone who is very, very weak with, with something. 
And, and he was always impressing upon me. We're doing the same thing. It's just a matter of degree of, of intensity. So for example, in, in the, the heart, I mean, I was shocked when the patients, uh, maybe they had a, a heart bypass, maybe they had a variety of, of, of cardiac uh, uh, surgeries and they would be uh, rolled out. And even while they were still in intensive care, they would be applying the bands to the, the person's arms, generally arms, it, legs, it was a little more difficult just because they're in a hospital bed, et cetera. And it was very, very gentle pressure. And I think mm-hmm. this is the big, big difference. I always use the word gentle um, and, and that smile. And of course, the cardiac rehab patients were, were not generally not smiling, not smiling. No. But, <laughs> but the fact was under the trained eye and hands of the cardiologist, they were there putting these bands on very, very gently. But, and John knows this very well, when you put the bands on, you get a, 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 a pinkness, a, a beefy redness to your hands. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Sato was saying, hey, I know myself, I'm not a physician or pretend to be, but you always want to be aware of the pinkness or the redness that happens in your hand. And then he would explain to me, okay, that is the vascular tissue being engorged in blood. Then that's leading to a variety of changes, a production of a nitric oxide, uh, VEGF, vascular endothelial growth factor, et cetera. And it was great for me as a lay person to observe things that were so simple to see with your own eyes. Of course, we're in a hospital setting and the doctors are in their, their whites and, and all kinds of equipment is around, but, and we had ultrasound, we had Dopplers, we had you know, all the equipment, but really he was trying to teach me how to do this safely and effectively in a very, very gentle pressure very mm-hmm. gentle. And so, you know, some of these people had had two cardiac events. And so we, we had to be very, very uh, gentle on them. And, and that extended across the spectrum of, of humanity. And uh, just as another aside, dial forward to 2016. So I'd been with Dr. Sato for 15 years. I myself had a heart attack. Oh my, uh, my, my 17 year old son at the time uh, found me face down in my bathroom in the morning. He gave me CPR. I went to the hospital. I was rushed to the hospital to have a stent in. Uh, they put me in, they call it the Arctic sun protocol. Um, so I was out for a while. I woke up and uh, I had no idea what, what happened, what I did. And the cardiologist, uh, Dr. Lee Carter comes, visits me on the this, uh, bedside. And he said, uh, you had a heart attack. And I said, but I'm healthy. He goes, well, you know, you're left. And he explained. And I said, first thing I said to him was, well, can I do katsu? He's and like, he, the he drugs will wear off soon. Said, you're going to be fine. <laughs> and he looked at me, he says, uh, I said, oh, can I do katsu? That's what I do. And he said, look, at, you just had a heart attack. You're in the, you know, uh, critical care unit. We got we to gotta get you better. I said, okay, can I do it when I get out? I was that excited to do use our own equipment on my own body as I'm in the critical care unit. That's how much confidence that Dr. Sato 
enabled me to have because I'd seen so many him and Dr. Nakajima and Dr. Marita and the other uh, cardiologists in Japan treat so many people. Now, when obviously Dr. Sato heard of, of my situation and when I, I did call him like nine days later, he said, uh, Steve, I know you're very enthusiastic, but please listen to your doctor first. And then we can talk about katsu because up until that time, nobody had actually treated themselves right. <laughs> with katsu. And um, I went back to Dr. Carter and he said, uh, well, we, we're, we're not going to do anything. I actually, when I went to see him for the first time, I actually took the katsu <laughs> product with me yeah. and, you know, in his office, I'm putting the bands on and <laughs> trying to explain to him. He's staring me in complete disbelief. Now, make a long story short, when you put a, a stent in the artery of a human, um, it, it stays there, obviously, for the rest mm -hmm. of your life. And eventually, generally, from what I understand, 12 to 18 months later, the vascular endothelial cells actually grow over the stent. They, the stent actually becomes part of your artery. And that usually takes a while. And my stent was covered like within four to five months and, I, and I, I, I wanted to prove to to my own doctors like hey this is really cool stuff uh not necessarily obviously i wanted to get better but i wanted to show that this was a, a way to do it and um so that was my own little self-experiment and i you know i i say that with humility mm -hmm. because i mean literally I could have killed myself, but I had so much confidence in what I had learned from Dr. Sato over a 13 year period and Dr. Nakajima, Dr. Morita, et cetera, that I, I was confident in myself. My wife did not want me to put these bands on my arms, did not. So I waited until she was out of the house <laughs> and I went and I put the bands on myself again, doing it very, very gently. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'd never been in the hospital really, you know, uh, and all of a sudden I was in critical care unit, intensive care unit. So I was all obviously very uh, nervous, but I put them on and, you know, I, uh, I'm well. Uh, now that's to say I, anybody who wants to do Katya had a cardiac um, event, hundred percent, please talk to your cardiologist first and um, uh, you're free to talk to me too. Yeah. So I have a question for you. So when your cardiologists and the doctors that were treating you saw the effect and you clearly have at this point, a massive amount of literature and, and clinical evidence from the study in Japan that shows that this can be an effective way to help people to heal. Were they open to that at all? Or are they still doing the things that oh, they do now? Like, they were I'm just open. curious. They, yeah. They yeah. were open uh, for Katsu for me, not because for they had seen me and I, I shared the information with them, but like anything, you know, the, the information in your own country, doctors in their own country, believe the doctors in their own country. So even mm -hmm. though it had been uh, proven in Japan, we still have to conduct the same, uh, trials and, and experiments and, you know, go through the, the, government um, regulations, et cetera, to, to do that, to do the same in the United States. But 
um, from my perspective, that Japanese individual and myself, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're humans and, and we went through the same sort of thing. I just, I just had that much confidence mm-hmm. in the product and in the protocol that I was willing to do it on myself. And um, that's and, impressive. Yeah. I actually have a friend who, as we speak right now, is having a stent put in. Okay. Like right mm. now, like at this very minute. <laughs> Got it. So, oh, wow. Um, so, so in, in terms of people in North America, let's say someone who's listening to this and let's say they've recently had one of these procedures, is there any context in which they'd be able to access Katsu or would you recommend to them, look, give it a couple of months and then like, you know, because you're not going to, nobody's going to be able to advise, like we're in a world where we have to be super careful about about giving direction or advice or whatever it may be to anyone who's in any kind of, a, I mean, any situation really, but, but in a situation like this, nobody's going to sit there and go, Oh, guess what? In the next couple of months, you'll be able to do this. And here's what's going to happen. How would someone in North America who's had a cardiac event avail themselves of any kind of the knowledge or of the technology of Katsu without either putting themselves or their practitioners at risk. Yeah. So, so what we typically do, and we get a lot of those um, mm-hmm. inquiries uh, by telephone, by email, et cetera. And always we, we, uh, that, that 10 year study, uh, yeah. we have a compendium of all the literature that came out of the university of Tokyo hospital. And I send it to them and I highlight the different studies that are relevant to their situation. Um, and I say, please read it for yourself, share it. And I send it by digital file, mm-hmm. share it with your cardiologist, your internist, whoever, whoever you're consulting with, if they have any questions, they can call me or they can call uh, the physicians that are, that are associated with us and work for us. So, um, that's usually how they go. I mean, I've had some people go, Hey, you know, this sounds a little too risky. Mm-hmm. Fine. I, Totally understand. Just get better. The doctor kept you alive. So trust him a hundred percent. Absolutely. We're just saying there is an alternative. If you and your physician and your, your, your family and others are um, open to it, please do it. Now they've had some people, they say, I have this, this, and this. I said, well, you know, that's not some, here's the information. The physician goes, I don't know about this. Maybe not the person still comes back to us yeah. and, they, and they're a little bit de- not desperate. I would say they're, they're a little bit hopeful. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, I have to say, you know, forget business. I get, look at, follow your doctor a hundred percent of the time. I don't know you, your doctor knows you mm-hmm. and just do it. If he, he or she are interested in more, we can provide them more information and, and that's how we go. So I don't know, it's probably, um, you know, very few of the people go to the next step, very, even a smaller number of physicians, um, go say, yeah, hey, let's, let's do this. But there are some that go, okay, like my own, my own cardiologist, cause he sees me and, and he mm-hmm. does all this tests. And after, you know, after I, I think it was about six months, six to seven months later, um, I was so curious as to what happened to my body mm-hmm. that I went to, I made a very specific trip to the uh, Massachusetts general hospital 
Harvard Medical School. They ran a full battery of tests on me. I did the same thing at Cedar sinai Hospital in, in uh, Los Angeles, did a full battery on me. I went up to Stanford Medical School, <laughs> spoke with those people, and I wanted to show them what I had experienced and why I thought I had made this, in my mind, remarkable recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't disagree. They just didn't agree. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. I yeah. understand there's an element of caution. Um, and that's perfectly fine. I just wanted to show that we have so much confidence, John, with his 12 surgeries and myself with my own issue that we have ourselves as, as, um, you know, husbands, fathers, uh, neighbors, we have the ultimate confidence in our own product because we apply them to our own selves. You know, we're not out there, you know, trying to sell, um, just to get revenue, we live and breathe Katsu on a daily basis with ourselves and our family. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, Oxford HealthSpan, makers of Primadine, the only spermidine supplement that I personally use and recommend to my clients and family. Spermidine has earned a permanent spot on my longevity stack. Research has shown that spermidine positively impacts six of the nine hallmarks of aging, including protecting your DNA from damage as you age. Regular users also experience visible results after just one to three months, including better hair, skin, nails, and deeper sleep. I choose Primadine because it is the only spermidine supplement on the market that is free of any additives or excipients, while including a prebiotic to feed your own bacteria to make more of your own spermidine. And now Primadine also has a gluten-free version. To try Primadine, go to primadine.com and use discount code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. I have a question for you though. So the Katsu train, you had been training with Katsu. So the Katsu training is not going to prevent it. it like it's not going to prevent a cardiac event, which I find interesting, right? Because you almost would expect that as a Katsu practitioner yourself, there would have been some protective well, I don't know if you would expect it just from what I've heard so yeah. far, you, you might imagine that there'd be some protective element in terms of the vasculature, but obviously there's, you know, nature or whatever your life circumstances are can still overcome whatever the oh, benefits uh, are of the katsu. Yes, absolutely. Well, so, Steven, could I, uh, yeah, could I jump in real quick? Yeah. Natalie, his event was a widow maker. He, 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 he should not have survived. Okay. That, that event. So you, you can make the argument, I guess, mm-hmm. that because of the incredible vascular elasticity Stephen did have in place, it, that he was able to survive that. Um, gotcha. Is that off base, Steve? I, I know Rieko doesn't like when we talk about that. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's my wife. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it, it's absolutely true. I was mm-hmm. I was shocked myself. At that point, I had done 15 plus years of katsu, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm fairly active. And and uh, that's why when I woke up from the, the the induced coma, I was just shocked. Yeah, it was it it just blew me away. How how could that happen? Now, the circumstances of which it happened, I later learned, were very. Um, uh, problematic. So at that time, we we're trying to develop a new product, new Katsu product that actually this C3. And, and I had traveled back and forth to Tokyo 
three times in 11 days traveling business class. Holy jumping. So I, and, and toward the end, and I was, I was barely sleeping. Now, John is, as a Navy SEAL, he's gone through six days of non-sleep and intense uh, training. Uh, I'm a civilian. Yeah. I, I did 11 days of very, very minimal sleep. And, and high altitude and I just think, flying around. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that the, the time changes and that 11 day period, when I came back on that third trip, my whole, I was coming off of the airplane at LAX, my whole world just, I lost all peripheral vision, all peripheral vision. Wow. And um, uh, my wife picked me up at the airport. We had some dinner. I went uh, home and it, it was the next day, which I, I fell. So I'm pretty confident that if I hadn't just lived regular life and not had that 11 day period, Mm-hmm. probably would not have happened. But the fact that it did happen, I am 100% um, uh, confident that that 15 years of, of Katsu in some way, minor or major, I don't know, and nobody will ever know, helped me survive. For sure. For sure. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. Well, this, I mean, we could keep talking about this for a long time, but I want to, <laughs> I know we've got limited time. So I want to talk about a couple of other applications because I want to move into a little bit more of the hypertrophy performance. Um, and I mean, you know, I know like in the, in the form that you sent me, you said like, let's talk about women over the age of 40 and let's talk about skin and let's talk about longevity. Let's talk about building lean muscle. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm past the over 40. I'm like over 55, let's say. And, you know, so I sit there and go, I've never been an easy gainer at the best of times. Like I don't, I've never been a person who's overly muscular, but as you, with every passing, and I'm not even going to say decade, I'd say every passing five years, it gets harder and harder to maintain and put on lean mass. And so I just want to talk a little bit about Katsu now, the, the other side of the coin, move into this, either the longevity space and or the performance space. And even another question I had, and then I'm going to let you guys go <laughs> uh, talk is, is, so there's muscle and can it help at all with bone density? Because I've read some stuff that talks about how increasing growth hormone. And if we increase growth hormone, then there's going to be some anabolic benefits to skeletal tissue as well, which would be bones. And we've got a lot of people, you know, I'm into this whole world of peptides and stuff like that. And people are using not necessarily synthetic growth hormone, but they use growth hormone secretagogues. So peptides that will stimulate the body's production of growth hormone. But I've, you know, ever since I've been exposed to katsu, I've been wanting to ask the question, like, you know, can we, just like we can see that katsu can improve nitric oxide production what role does it play in that world? Because if it's helping skin, it's got to be helping growth hormone too. So there's yeah. about 27 questions buried in there. I'm going to let you guys <laughs> go to it. <laughs> you don't I'll, have to I'll, answer all of them, but. <laughs> yeah. I'll address the um, uh, lean muscle mass, especially okay. for women over the age of 40, 50, 60. It, it doesn't matter. Um, as we age, it gets increasingly difficult for most people to go to, to want to go to the gym and lift weights. It's just not something most, most adults want to do. There are that small handful, but most of them do. The beauty of Katsu, and we see this time and time again uh, with women who uh, their, their children in their 40s and 50s, their children are going through high school, heading off to college, 
or in their 60s and 70s, they're, they're now seeing their grandchildren, et cetera. We've seen these women and we teach them, and this is the important part of protocol, and this is what we learned from Dr. Sato. You can put these bands on any time of the day. So mm-hmm. if you're folding clothes, you're washing dishes, you're, you're sweeping, um, you're, you're washing your car window, um, anything, you're, you're reading a book. You're working at your computer. You're working at your computer. Put the bands on. And that slight movement, even tapping you know, your, your, uh, the keyboard, that slight movement with the bands on, you feel like you've done a workout. Not necessarily bicep curls, but that overall feeling that I just exerted myself, not to the point of exertion, not to the point of fatigue, but that just overall, gosh, I just, you know, I, I, I feel good. Yeah, that, I did. Like and, you get that endorphin release, you get the. Yes. And you, if you do that once a day over a period of time, and we, we recommend people do this. When you first get katsu, take a picture of yourself in the, in the, or, or measure yourself, however way you want to do it. Don't send it to anybody. Keep <laughs> it three weeks, four weeks later, do the same thing and do a before and after. We're not, not for, for uh, testimonials, not for marketing, just your own self mm-hmm. because it's so gradual. And that picture that John showed of Dr. Sato. You know, he's got huge muscles. Everybody assumes he's in the weight room, just lifting heavy weight. What Dr. Sato actually does when I was those 13 years with him, we would do katsu in the morning. We would do katsu in the afternoon and he would do katsu at night. Our morning and afternoon sessions, we would sit in his office and we would have the bands on as we're sitting and talking. And of course, you know, Myself, I talk with my hands. Dr. Sato is demonstrating different techniques. And so we were doing slight movement, just gentle movement, you know, mm-hmm. just, just opening and closing our hands. You don't need to do the heavy weights. And so for that 40, 50, 60, 70-year-old individual, you can literally, in the course of your own lifestyle, at home, in the office, uh, 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 taking care of your grandchildren, you know, fixing a, a lunch for your, your uh, high school kid, whatever it is, put the bands on. And that is your workout. You, right. you're, not, you're not sweating. You don't have to reapply your makeup. <laughs> and this leads to a variety of things. And we learned um, with some very sophisticated tests that plasmologens, ceramides, and a variety of other metabolites are coming as a result of this. And when we first did it and we did, so basically we took a, we did, uh, we took a vial of blood, mm-hmm. did gent, what I, we call gentle katsu. So, you know, some kind of movement um, uh, and movement could be if you have carpal tunnel syndrome, just moving your hand, you know, in a circular manner or opening closing in your hands. And then 20 minutes later, we take a vial of blood and we would compare those two of the same individual. And the researchers were shocked. <laughs> the density and the amount of different metabolites that, w- that were produced in the post-blood um, uh, analysis. Stem cells? Did they look at stem cells? Um, yeah, Dr. Uh, Adam Ann, he works at the Andrews Research Institute. Um, he uses um, 
he uses katsu to help before you harvest the stem cells, before you take the blood, he'll have guys do uh, bouts of katsu cycles, which is doing some very simple multi-joint movements or maybe just standing, doing quarter squats, exercising, but very, very simple exercise with katsu. And he's done um, tests and studies there at Andrews looking at baseline um, uh, stem cell concentration uh, be, with no katsu, with doing traditional exercise, and with doing katsu cycles. Mm-hmm. And what he's found is he can have the stem cell concentration significantly elevated with somebody that does intense traditional exercise, you know, like eight count bodybuilders or something. Yeah. Or you can put katsu on that patient in the comfort of the waiting room and have them just do some simple movements with their arms or legs and get a very similar, uh, if not better in some cases, uh, response. Wow. So um, there is a really cool study uh, is a Chinese study done with uh, Katsu on stem cell pr- proliferation, how it uh, increases when you're doing Katsu and we can send that to you. Um, so there is, there is something happening on the stem cell side. And when you're talking about um, connective tissue or um, bone cells, osteoblasts, osteoclasts, all those types of things uh, with bone density and bone health, um, we have some studies showing that uh, as well. And everything in the body has blood flow, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. granted, ligaments and tendons have less blood flow, but there's capillaries everywhere. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you think about just physically what's happening during a katsu cycle, during the pressure phase, all the way down to the smallest vascular cells, you know, all the way down to the capillaries, really, Mm -hmm. you're creating an engorgement or you're stretching this tissue open and holding it for 30 seconds. Well, the other thing that's happening during that engorgement phase is you now have fresh blood with a higher partial pressure of O2 around whatever cells are being affected. Mm -hmm. And the body seems to push that stuff wherever it's most needed. So if you have a shin splint happening and you're wearing the leg bands doing that every cycle, you're increasing oxygenated blood around the injury, the wound, or what have you. Um, Does that systemically help with osteoarthritis and bone density through your whole body? Uh, Yes, of course, because it's a systemic response. I mean, you feel the result distal of the bands, like you'll feel that lactate or that burn in your, uh, in your muscles, but whatever um, hormonal response is happening, it's going everywhere. That's why when we have them test retina blood flow or, uh, 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 forehead, um, blood flow or blood brain barrier blood flow. We see that perfusion going up through the whole body, even though you just have the leg bands on or just have the arm bands on. So there's a, there's a lot of pretty amazing things happening. Um, one of the things we're looking to do with air force special operations right now is a, cause they have a lot of problems with 
stress, uh, stress fractures with, uh, mm-hmm. uh, guys going through their assessment and selection training. We see the same thing in Naval special warfare. We see the same thing really everywhere in the military, uh, especially nowadays, most people, uh, let's just say, or, uh, maybe not as <laughs> physically capable as they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. We see lots of musculoskeletal injuries and a lot of shin splints. Um, so there's a lot of interest uh, on that side as well. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so on the on the hormone side, so growth, so growth hormone and also testosterone. Do, do those hormones specifically get affected as well? I mean, I think I kind of know the answer, but I want to hear it from you guys. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. And one, one of the things we noticed, and I'm a, a guy that's had a lot of blast injury, a lot of TBI, uh, I've dealt with some PTSD, uh, I've had a lot of issues with sleep. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that tanks goes in the hole immediately when you're not in stage three, stage four sleep is testosterone. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was still active duty, I got my testosterone tested and the guy's like, Hey, how are you sleeping? And I'm like, well, you know, three hours, five hours, this, that, you know, Ish. he's like, you, you have the testosterone level of a 14 year old girl. <laughs> I'm like, what? what every guy oh, wants man. to hear, right? I'm a, I'm a Navy SEAL, man. I can't have that kind of test. <laughs> but, and I had the test done twice and, and, and it's sleep. It was because of sleep. Once the sleep gets better, all the T levels improve and, and I didn't need any um, testosterone supplement. I just need to start sleeping better. Well, if the longer I was with this company, the more I started to learn about Dr. Sato actually developed an insomnia uh, protocol. And when, um, let me, let me back up for a second. When the, uh, Japanese government during, before the Tokyo games, the summer games, when they told the international Olympic committee that the athletes could no longer, uh, show up five weeks before an event, um, that for this Olympics, for that summer games with COVID, Mm -hmm. uh, the athletes could not show up until five days before an event, which is catastrophic. Yeah. yeah, the trainers and the coaches were losing their minds. They're like, oh, wait a minute. We, we have all kinds of circadian rhythm issues. We have, we have to let our athletes um, uh, acclimate to new time zones, new weather, the heat, all this stuff. Um, well, it just so happens that we already were working with some of the IOC researchers in the UK at uh, University of Brighton they were looking at Katsu as a recovery tool. When that announcement came out, they said, well, wait a minute, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of benefits with these clients and patients and athletes getting into that parasympathetic state mm-hmm. faster, mm-hmm. getting into stage three, four recovery sleep faster. There's probably something going on with the autonomic nervous system that might be helping guys to sleep. And they actually just, uh, the IOC guys just recently put out a uh, official medical journal uh, article inviting much more study 
on this because anecdotally what they were seeing almost across the board was when an athlete did katsu cycles before going to sleep they slept better they got into that parasympathetic state faster well for me personally when i started doing a lot of katsu I, I just, I knew I was sleeping better. And then I started wearing a lot of trackers, aura rings, the whoop bands, all this kind of stuff. And it was, and it was true. My sleep was improving. And, you know, there were a lot of sleep hygiene things I was doing, but I wasn't doing anything with meds. Um, the only real big change was a little bit of diet and a ton of katsu and my sleep. Mm-hmm. That's so much better. Um, and with the sleep back to your original question, uh, testosterone. Absolutely. I'm back up to normal where I should be. Okay. So it's the sleep really that restored the testosterone, not the, not the effect of the, of the katsu itself that stimulates testosterone at the muscle. Well, I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both because we have measure, we, we have uh, studies showing HGH yeah. levels going up significantly and testosterone usually mirrors that as well. Okay. Um, regardless of the sleep, that was just my personal. Yeah. yeah, That was your personal. story. So how many, okay. So, so if let's say I were to start using katsu bands while I'm working, wouldn't Mm -hmm. I, and, but I'm not, it's, I actually want really great results. Like I want really good results. So then would it not benefit me to also do a workout a day or would it be every other day or, or you're shaking your head a little bit. Like, are you actually, because I like working out. I don't have time to go to the gym necessarily. I mean, I do my 30 minute kickboxing workout hit thing that I really like, but other than that, but I actually do enjoy working out. So would there not be, are there not degrees of benefits to the different types of things you can do? Like, I mean, you make a great point that you can wear your katsu doing day-to-day things and get benefit from that. But would you not get better benefits also if you did a workout as well? So in your case, where you do enjoy your kick workout, Dr. Sato taught me, if someone enjoys doing something, have them continue to do that. Now, I would say once a day, you put the bands on your arms, once a day on your legs, you will see in a short period of time, your kickboxing performance increase. Mm. Now, if you really want to see a huge uh, increase, you actually then put the bands on for about 10 minutes during your kickboxing workout. So we call that performance training. Okay. So, so, and that holds true for if you're a track athlete and you want to increase your uh, start, if you're a swimmer and you want to increase your strength, if you're a basketball player and you want to increase your vertical leap, in these cases, put the bands on as you're going through that specific uh, movement that's used in your sport. It could be a boxer punching. It could be a wrestler doing a different move. It could be a pianist just getting ready. So it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to be an athlete. You could be a carpenter. That, mm-hmm. that has some kind of tendonitis. We want you, if, if, if this hurts, we want the bands on and we want to get that, you know, hammering the nail down so it doesn't hurt anymore. A penis, if there's a, a, diff, a, a, a difficult movement that they need to do, well, put the bands on as you're doing the movement. The first time you'll not be able to do it, just like anything. Right. Over time, just like kickboxing. If you want to see... 
you know, the angle of your legs get up higher or uh, your reaction time being better, then we would teach you, these are part of the protocols that we would teach you how to do katsu before the workout, mm -hmm. during the workout and after the workout. And I would say easily within three weeks, you will see a remarkable improvement. And Interesting. you could videotape it and you can see your, your leg come up higher or, you know, a faster, faster movement. And um, you'll be less out of breath. Now with Katsu in the performance training, you will be out of breath. Oh, you'll be sucking wind for sure. It will be, it will be taxing. <laughs> yeah. But in the course of your body adapting to this stress, it will be able to perform better without mm -hmm. a doubt. Right. And so how do you use it in the water for swimmers? Does that little device go into the water too? So these these bands are made. No, of not the bands. The the little gizmo. No, no, we don't put the 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 device itself is not waterproof. Okay, it's water so. resistant but not waterproof. So in that case, we we don't use the cots cycle mode. We use the cots cosmo. So we we use the neoprene bands. So these are mm -hmm. waterproof. We inflate them, and then you can go in the water. And that they use that for people who do aqua therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, people who who, you know, have lower extremity uh, issues and, and uh, you know, put the bands on, inflate them, go in the water, do your, your aqua therapy or aqua aerobics, and then come right. out. And for a swimmer, they would do maybe a couple of lengths or a, a shorter workout with the bands and then take them off. Depending it doesn't on take much. Elite swimmers, you can, yeah. yes, you can do that. Sorry? Yes, you. so what you can do is, if, if uh, let's say an elite Olympic swimmer, if they're going to swim two hours, mm -hmm. they could get more bang for their buck out of those two hours. Right. Now they can swim for an hour and a half, but they can actually do more within the two hours with the cuts. So for example, they can work on their start, yeah. they can work on their turns, they can work on their technique uh, with the bands in the water. Okay. Amazing. Well, I, um, I look, I mean, I probably have three more pages of questions, so I think that, uh, <laughs> we got to go, we got to do another one. We're going to have to do two. another one, but, and you know what, maybe what we'll do is because I've got a pretty large Facebook group, so they'll listen to this there. There's about 10,000 of them and we'll invite questions and then we'll do a follow-up, um, with, uh, with some Q and a in there maybe, but, um, yeah. I, is there, is there anything else that you'd like to squeeze into our, this particular episode that we haven't touched on? Well, you, you I mentioned briefly skin. Mm -hmm. And oh, if yeah, you okay. think about all of the tiny, tiny capillaries, I was going to say blood yeah. flow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now it's not going to take the wrinkles away. <laughs> it's absolutely not, but it's going to enable the elasticity of the skin mm -hmm. to at least maintain itself. And yeah. You and I know if, if, if the worst thing we're doing is maintaining as we're going older and older, yes. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> just, just stop the madness now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, you looked like you were going to say something. Anything we, you think we should touch on? Well, it's, it's, it's a whole nother podcast probably, but I, I, can't, I can't end one without saying um, what we're seeing with the wounded warrior population, anybody dealing with neuropathic pain, yeah. I would say 90% of those guys see a significant level of relief with this. Um, it's very, um, it's very personal. 
to mm-hmm. me because that's you know that's the world I I came from. Um, I was at Walter Reed uh, about three months ago and met this guy Justin. He was four months out from a uh, amputation of of his arm above the elbow, and the neuropathic pain on this poor kid was just crushing him, even with the meds. And after his first two katsu cycles, I mean, just tears. He's like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. So there's a whole nother conversation to be had with how this can help with spinal cord injuries or think of a diabetic with lower wound, uh, lower extremity wound care, and, and they can't get these wounds to heal or neuropathic pain, chronic arthritic pain. There's so much goodness that's happening with, with this stuff. And, and it's not constant pressure, high intensity, lactic acid burn. That's not where the relief comes from. It comes from this very, very gradual cycling of pressure on pressure off. New blood comes in pressure on. And there's, you know, there's, there's, there's something going on with that whole, um, and maybe it's a neuroplasticity aspect, um, with how pain signals kind of get stuck and you can kind of break through that. Um, but I love what we're seeing with the wounded, ill and injured veteran, uh, population. Very, very, uh, very promising. That's amazing. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the word cycling just keeps coming up over and over again. And one thing we know, anything that we do in the human body, the body responds better to cycles and pulses than it does to a constant Mm. uh, input. Right. I mean, when it comes to diet or anything at all, it's the push and pull that you're going to get better results from than this, just having your foot on the gas all the time. And so it's interesting how even in this application, that, that theme just keeps coming up and, you know, and it makes so much sense because you've, you cut off the blood. I mean, you, you restrict the blood flow or you slow it down, whatever the case may be. What's interesting about Katsu is you're replenishing the blood with the nutrients over and over again, as opposed to this, Mm -hmm. the constant occlusion that happens with the other bands where you're kind of stuck with what you've got, where it is kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, You get all that waste in there. Yeah. So there'd be a depletion, you'd get the waste products and you don't have the opportunity to flush it out. And so it just makes a whole, a whole lot of sense. And I would think that the smiles come from, you know, this kind of flushing of, like it's probably even like a physical feeling that you get from this flushing of nutrients and toxins at the same time. I'm guessing. Yeah, Natalie, we, we have to get you one of these and, yes. and get you, get, get you some training and you'll, you'll, you'll fall in love with it. You'll do emails with it in the morning and stay on I'm a in. desk with the leg bands on. You'll, you'll just, yeah, it's addicting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm all right. I'm sitting here going, I need one. I need to get one for my parents. <laughs> <laughs> going through that well, i have a client with insomnia who has restless leg syndrome we haven't even talked mm-hmm. about that but i'm gonna i'm gonna take a leap and think that there's a slim chance that that might be helpful for him so we can talk about that in episode two yeah all right thank you very much appreciate the opportunity well thank you both for being here i really appreciate your time and your presence and uh, why don't we tell people how they can find out more about either to reach out to you or Katsu. And um, you also gave us a lovely discount code at the beginning. So why don't I let you guys handle that piece now? Yeah. So you can reach us at Katsu, 
K-A-A, so double A, K-A-A-T-S-U.com. Uh, if you want to send an email, info at katsu.com. We have a NAT10 uh, discount. So, you know, uh, send us as many questions as you want. Uh, I don't know our 800 number off the top of my head, but it's on the website. So call, text, email. Uh, we're, we're here to answer your questions. Love it. Thank you. Nat 10, Nat 10. Nat 10. Keep it simple. No H's. <laughs> That's right. 10% <laughs> discount. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was great to meet you both. Same thank way. you very much, Adam. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answered a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.